<sighs> Hello, universe. <laughs> I'm nowhere near that heavy sigh uh, person right now, believe it or not. I'm not even sure where that came from. But, uh, you know, what I was thinking about is memory, right? Like... Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, they're a modern Stone Age family. From the town of Bedrock, there it's a place right out of history. Let's ride with the family down the street, to a place where people like to meet. When you're with the Flintstones, have a yabba dabba do time, a dabba do time. You'll have a gay old time. Why did I sing that? For one, much like dancing, I never used to sing because compared to my mother and frankly my sister and my father, honestly, uh, I have a terrible voice. And uh, I'm also tone deaf, which makes it hard for me to know when I'm singing uh, in a pitch that is incorrect. So, I don't sing. And yet, of course I know the theme song to the Flintstones, although I'm not sure I got that all right. I have no idea. I certainly <laughs> didn't go listen to it or anything. But I don't need to, because here at the age of 52, having not watched a Flintstones episode since, boy, maybe, maybe college, but probably not, probably before that, I can sing the entire theme song. Um, because when you drill these things into our heads as kids, we don't forget them. They become part of who we are, honestly. Where's the beef? Don't squeeze the Charmin. There's a reason that these messages stay with us. For you drill them into our heads with the regularity of brainwashing. So when these things change, I know I'm not wrong. I know things have changed. Why? Why is nobody looking into that? Why is that phenomenon being dismissed when so many people are experiencing it? You cannot tell me the Volkswagen logo has always had that slash in it. It has not. My parents owned a Volkswagen van. It was the first car I got to know. I know what the VW emblem on the front of that van looked like. It's one of the first symbols in the world that I came to know. So, tell me you want to tell me whatever you want to tell me about how this is some mental confabulation joke that the whole universe is playing on some of us, but not all of us. No. My experiences are different than what history is now telling me is the record. Why? All right, I don't mean to be aggressive or angry or even slightly um, perturbed with my topic matter. Uh, sorry about the sniffle there. I did not blow my nose before this recording. So uh, how about I try the uh, pause button, which I've never used before, and see how that works while I go blow my nose and, frankly, use the bathroom. Be right back. All right. Yabba dabba do, mofos. Um, so why am I... So, well, <laughs> ironically... <laughs> ah, 
why did I just yabba dabba do this moment? Because I said two things that I wanted to attempt to uh, improve were my use of technology as well as my uh, diminish the annoying uh, factors that creep into my recordings. And I just accomplished both of those with one maneuver, which was learning to use the pause button. Now, I don't like the pause button because in some ways that um, gives me a gap of time in which I'm doing something that I haven't announced uh, in public forum here. Sorry, my phone just gave me an indicator that my storage space is running out. Galaxy S4s definitely have too little storage space and use way too much of it for miscellaneous uh, thumbnails, which I constantly have to clear. So Samsung, while I know you don't give any to uh, SHITZ about what is going on with my Samsung Galaxy S4, I do wish you had done something about those limitations. All right. That said, considering all these recordings have been on a Samsung Galaxy S4, I would also like to thank you for making these recordings at least somewhat uh, easy to facilitate, especially for me, someone who has never done anything like this ever in life. Well, that's not true. I've owned a micro recorder at one point or two in life back in the day when those little tiny cassettes were sitting around, but didn't really get very far with that. Um, man. So, uh, patting yourself on the back for things that you're trying to change for the better for yourself, even small moments of victory, are how you have to continually reinforce your daily routines. Those are victories, period. Recognize them. Give yourself uh, at least a mental moment of, way to go, bro, and or slaying it, sis. Because if you're not giving yourself the congratulatory moments of improving your life incrementally for the better, you won't commit to those routines. They won't be important enough for you to follow them until they're habitually now part of who you are. And thus, you literally learn how to be your own cheerleader. <laughs> and I know that sounds stupid, and I certainly don't mean in some capacity of social clickiness. What I mean is you become somebody capable of recognizing when you're doing better for yourself instead of not knowing those moments in the moment for the true value they present. And I am a big fan of being my own cheerleader. Even if it is under the rafters at the football field, whatever. Happiness is happiness, baby. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I rave about pot like I'm director of marketing for the cannabis uh, culture club. But, ooh, culture club, hello. Um, I am not without realizing some of the limitations it presents. For instance, I literally have a note here about... Uh, what I wanted to speak about, which is, it says these three words, ownership, cat, black widow. Um, and yes, temptingly, those will coincide here shortly. But um, <laughs> there was a fourth note that I wanted to put on this, that I was sitting in the living room with my dog, having a little cuddle moment, 
And uh, it came to me and I thought, oh yeah, put that on the note, put that on the note. And I walked into the bedroom to find my little note here, which is small enough that if I were going into a test in high school, I would definitely feel confident that I could keep this in my palm and never be seen. But <clears throat> this little note, uh, because I couldn't get to the card uh, before I could remember what that idea was, I just wrote, from living room to bedroom, fail. And that is where I do believe marijuana has uh, a limitation. Because <sighs> sometimes when uh, I'm high, uh, I'll call it that because that's a fair description, but sometimes when uh, I've ingested enough marijuana that I feel a mental uh, state of being has been affected, for instance, say, um, creative thought. Well, if I solve a problem, like, for instance, come up with another thing to put on my list, say, don't say, for instance, so much, could be on the list. But when I have a revelation of having closed a moment, I can oftentimes jump to the next moment. Instead of staying on that moment just long enough to complete <laughs> the 15-foot walk from living room to bedroom, and finding my note with a pen that writes uh, clearly enough that I can get that note down on paper. For all that to happen in the, I don't know, 18 seconds of life it takes to make that happen, sometimes I'll have moved on to a thought that has now purged whatever I had gone into the bedroom for. And yes, I know we can all walk into somewhere like the kitchen and go, what the hell am I doing in the kitchen? Why did I even come in here? We do this all the time, right? So this isn't just a failure of my marijuana use. All, all of our brains have these moments of inept seizure, but I do think marijuana uh, accentuates this. I'm just being honest. So um, I certainly would never think that somebody who felt they were um, losing their memory smoked marijuana, because I do believe that there is a retardation of memory that exists there. Now, I also think there are some synapses that come back uh, as you're high in your memory. And memory is such a strange thing anyway, right? Like, why is it that you can have memories you, have n you haven't thought of for decades just by revisiting a geographical location? And what I mean is, for any of us, if we were to go walk through our elementary school playground, we would start to remember people we hadn't thought of for years. And they haven't been dismissed from our mind. They obviously live somewhere in our head, but it's the geographical location that's the trigger to pull that memory from wherever it resides now. That if you ask me to name 15 people that I went to say first, second, and third grade with, I might be able to do it, but if you ask me to do it while I'm standing in my elementary school playground, I could probably come up with 30. And so why? How is memory tied to physical entities? Because it is. It's an interesting question. Especially when you're high, then it's a really interesting question. <laughs> um, but so ownership, cat, black widows. I talk about Phoebe as the greatest dog I've ever owned. 
and she is a tremendous dog. And in some ways, I do feel like I own Phoebe. And I say this because I know that if the, um, if the event horizon occurs tomorrow and the entire state of consciousness known as this reality experience of human being life is destroyed and no humans are left on planet Earth, the dogs will suffer because they are dependent on us. Um, they are, I think the official term is domesticated, but what they are not, which my cat is, feral little animal that she is, they are not capable of sustaining the lifestyle they currently enjoy without us here to provide it. In fact, if uh, we were to suddenly vanish, before dogs reverted to their wolf-like heritage, eventually in pack animal form, turning on each other in the process in a, in a game of hierarchy that would be both violent and um, <laughs> authoritative, uh, they would suffer the diminished capacity of waiting for somebody to give them food because they are dependent on us to survive in the capacity that we give them food. Did you know there is something also called a capacitor? Wait till that starts entering the conversation. And then, once they have learned that nobody is coming to put food in that dish, and they have sniffed out every morsel of food that they can climb up onto whatever countertop to get, <clears throat> well, then it'll be time to go back to their instincts, which are hunt down prey and organize in packs to be most effective at that. In other words, they will revert back to a state of wild existence and no longer be dogs. <sighs> They'll be wolves. At least, <laughs> I think Discovery Channel or something has taught me that. And yet cats don't exist in that state. Well, sure, I live with this cat. This cat lives with me. I guess we're roommates. If I were to vanish tomorrow, the cat would survive just fine. In fact, she'd probably just move into the cellar and call it a life. Because cats already are capable of feeding themselves and regularly do this. This is one of the reasons that so many birds are destroyed by cats, is they can't help themselves. They are natural hunters with no instinct to allow us to dominate their food source to the point that they're dependent on us. Because when they do that, they get lazy, fat, disorganized, and sedentary. And yet cats, for the most part, not all cats, some cats do fall into that trap, but most cats can resist it. They can stay the hell away from the temptation that it is to become dependent on humanity to survive, like the puppy dogs. But then, that dependency that forms between us and frankly the emotional dependency that we give back to our dogs as they do nothing but offer unconditional love in just buckets our way. When we sink our teeth into that relationship, well, how much would you want to live on this planet without dogs? If dogs all of a sudden disappeared, what would we turn into? Well, we'd revert back to our feral state because Nobody loves me like my bubba. 
she's never looked at me with anything other than the greatest of esteem. That quote, I just am trying to live up to what my dog's impression of me is. Well, yeah, I am. Because my dog, well, I don't think she thinks I'm perfect. She thinks I'm awfully awesome. Now, she has every reason to think that. <laughs> I mean, just striving to give her reasons to think that make my day worthwhile. It doesn't take much. And while I may have overwalked her yesterday, um, I've made sure she's comfortable up on the couch, gotten some meat treats today. I've given her massages. I've made sure that she knows that I know she got overworked yesterday. Because I know if I ever ask anything of my dog, she's going to give it. And she'll give it until she literally collapses and dies. So now's the time when i got to be gentle with her. And I think yesterday I pushed her too far. So the dynamic between my dog and myself is one of constant changing support for each other. And the relationship between my cat and I, well, it's getting to that point. It's never going to be at the level that it is with my dog. Which is why ownership is a concept that I think doesn't exist. I mean, sure, we're all in various Venn diagrams overlapping with the other life forces in our orbit, and we are constantly having those things ebb and flow in energy directions. But we don't own anything. I own my thoughts. Descartes was right here. The fact I can doubt my existence is the strongest proof that I am a willful engaged entity in a capacity to make a difference in a 3D environment than anything else. And other than that, I don't own anything. I'm not taking any of this with me, none of it. Am I taking my thoughts with me? Maybe. But I don't even know if I own those to the point that they are eternal. I doubt it. I bet they are just to be experienced in a way that they will reverberate in some sort of echo form through the rest of my existence. But I'll never own them either. So what do we truly own? What moment do we own? What point of revelation do we own? What hakuna matata moment is all ours? What moment of inspiration is significantly and completely ours and ours alone? Is any of it? I don't own my cat any more than I own the black widow spiders that live in my cellar. And yes, I have some black widow spiders living in my house. Found one in the living room. Whoa, that's a moment of literal brush with death. Yes, ma'am, brushing with death over here. That's what I'm up to, doing some death brushing. <clears throat> I mean, if I were a 40-pound five-year-old child, it would be a lot more death brushing than holding a camera from three feet away, trying to get a picture of a black widow spider making a little scattered web in my electronic fish tape, but whatever. The point is, you don't own anything. 
I will own the fact that I now understand why my house doesn't have any ants. Because the Black Widow spiders are killing all of them on the way in the door. Yay! Upside. And I guess maybe that's at the heart of why I think I can forgive even the worst of what we've done. Because how much can you even own your actions? In the end, what do they do? I mean, they do reverberate across time, space, and all of humanity. I get that. So you leave an echo of activity that is forever influencing. And that's why we always need to try to be better, right? Like the only thing at the end of life you're gonna look back on and say, how much did I try to be better? And how much did I succeed? And in what capacity do I regret not having worked harder at that? Those will be the things you regret when you look back. So, I don't, I don't pretend that forgiving a child murdering pedophilia sponsoring kingpin is something anybody else on this planet feels like doing. And somewhere in my analytical brain, alarm bells are going off saying, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You know, the kingpin of that which destroys a kid or a kid's or a ring of kids' lives, innocence, trajectory, however that may be retarded, is literally a crime against humanity, but also a crime against the universe. Yes, that's true. And these are heinous activities to the point that they rub my soul wrong. But uh, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna murder all those people? Is that the plan? We'll execute them all when we uncover the darkest of what has been done. Because that's gonna be a lot of executions, I fear. And again, I'm not begging for my own life here in any capacity, by the way. What I'm saying is, where is the sliding scale of justice fair? Where? How do we determine these things? The reason we're capable so easily of punishing ourselves and feeling like we're due some uh, time in the penalty box is because of the sliding scale of justice that we've all been trained to live with as a form of societal control. And this isn't something that doesn't make sense. It's like the food pyramid. Okay, so it turns out that was all bullshit that some dude made up, but it did make sense. So does the justice system. It makes sense. You get a speeding ticket, well, you know, that's a $40 fine. You murder 38 people, well, that's the electric chair. There are just ways that sliding scale um, punishment feels fair. But punishment in what capacity? Again, who's deciding the punishment? At what extent do we take that punishment? And when is it such a great offense against us that you must serve the ultimate retribution and snuff out a life? 
if you feel capable of making those decisions, you feel a lot more capable of deciding things for other people than I do. And yet, having been trained to think that this is the way things should work, that we should take those people who are performing at a non-conforming uh, uh, manner and put them in a penalty box for a period of time until they've thought about what they've done enough that they stop doing it. Is that the best we've got? And if we're gonna come clean here and we're gonna have some sort of moment of reckoning where society has a, 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 an opportunity to wash its hands of all its guilt and move up to a level of embracing this moment for the greatness that it can be if we can let go of all that guilt and punishment that we serve ourselves. Well then, at what point do we purge members of the society from that ascension, call the group down to only those of us who deserve it? We all deserve it. But we can't embrace it together unless we include everybody. And that even means the worst of us. And that's where I stand on that stuff. I'll get more into that, I believe. Um, just like I will at some point get into the feedback I got early from my mother, who I think gave me some very <laughs> fair criticism. Um, and also told me to stop saying the point is so much, which I have referenced one other time for sure, maybe twice as something that I am completely redundant with. So I do apologize, and I will try not to say the point is, but I'll bet I've even said it five times in this recording uh, without noticing. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to publish this thing. I actually Googled how to publish a podcast today and uh, looked at about three results and then hit the back button and thought, I don't have time for this. But I do have time for that, and I've got to figure that out. So that's on my list. Um, and I will also say that in incremental ways that we have learned to allow, say, punishment to exist, we've also learned to tell ourselves that we aren't worthy of anything, you name it. We all have our individual lists. And I do believe that these ways that we are trained to think matter. I don't think we came into the world thinking this way. And so these are some of the shifts that this year I'm gonna to have to work my way through, but this is clearly one of them. The, the self-flagellation that comes with the human experience and the civilization we currently exist is unnecessary. And so how we are trained to think that way, I believe is a deliberate attempt to keep us from embracing a different way of being. Um, and that way of being includes stopping with all the self-inflicted damage. And I get, after listening to the element about self-inflicted damage after I believe there was a coughing episode, yeah, that whole thing could be run back as a joke about pot use. <laughs> I found that funny in the review listening. So don't think I don't understand that I'm a dipshit who says stuff and can't realize in the moment what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. But when I re-listen to it, 
I can realize what I'm saying. So, there you go. And 28 minutes in, look at that. It's my birthday episode. Oh, and yeah, I did find my keys.